0: Can you see it? Did you know
1: It's over. Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot. He scores! Moments notice. Adam's Lee.
0: You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes the reporter here. Like I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
1: Just wave the guy and get Demco involved. I wanted them in a downtown. No. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on! I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Hello and welcome to the Canucks Conversation live here on YouTube and on podcast form. No matter how you're listening to it, we appreciate you coming by and listening to the show. We are delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD for 15% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. As you can see above us here, my name is Chris Faber. Joining me in studio today for our first Friday with Harm. Filling in for the co-host, David Quadrelli, who's not here on Fridays. As I said earlier in the week, the rich keep getting richer in two ways. You're getting paid to do this, and Quads is getting a day off. So, but I'm excited to uh, to have you on here, Harm. Gotta say, the Fridays with Harm brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You're gonna like this, Harm. I think you might uh, use our promo code here. Zephyr Epic has their big Black Friday sale on right now on their website. Check it out, ZephyrEpic.com for Pokemon, Magic cards, Yu-Gi-Oh! You got me interested. I know I got you there. And the sports card. Use promo code Hockey Season for $5 off your order and free shipping all through Canada if you spend more than $50. I picked up a new Pokemon card myself, adding to the collection with another. Blow me up here, Alex. Full screen me. Got myself a Haunter, a shiny card of Haunter, but you're not a Pokemon guy, so I know no, you don't, don't appreciate like it. Harm, happy to be here. Is this your first like YouTube live experience here? It is.
0: I was going to say, first of all, you're talking about the rich. Meanwhile, you're in. Look at the view you have. You're the (laughs) one with the fancy apartment. So glad to be back here and excited for these Fridays, man. It's been a while. And uh, the other thing I was going to say in
1: relation to the YouTube live stream was, since when did you guys get that uh, fancy new intro as well? Yeah, that's all Alex. That's producer Alex on the back end there. So, you know, you guys have leveled up. Well, yeah, that's the thing. But that's that's the problem. All you rich folk, you guys, like I said, you keep getting richer. Me and Alex, we're just working our working our rears off here to put this show together. So, well, inflation's hitting too. So,
0: you know, the co-host fees are. <laughs>
1: hey, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. That's the thing. I wish we could play your old intro. We have it even on the board, but we get flagged by YouTube immediately for like any song that we used. We got flagged on YouTube for using the song that like. We've used on our intro forever. It's like my friend's band from Nanaimo, really? and uh, we weren't allowed to use that without written permission from them. So we haven't even really figured that out. But
0: now that you guys are are on YouTube, do you guys have to do the cheesy like the video, subscribe, notification bell? Uh,
1: you know what? We should be doing that. We well, we've been pushing people towards the uh, Canucks Army YouTube account because we have our own. Mm. We're streamed right now on Nation Network. Uh, shout out to everyone in the chat here on YouTube. They're saying, "Here comes the money." Says, "Nope, yep, uh, he is here." Um. But yeah, we're we're pushing people. If you guys see, we're going to be posting a lot of clips, uh, different segments, all that stuff we're going to be posting on our own YouTube channel, build up some subscribers. So thank you for mentioning that because I always forget to. Well, uh, not many people know this. I don't think I've ever shared this. But in grade nine or 10, I actually had
0: a YouTube hmm. channel. Not hockey. It was like for some... I wasn't in in a digital immersion program in high school. So for a year-long project, I started a YouTube channel with like just miscellaneous tech tutorials stuff like uh setting up a playstation 2 emulator on your windows pc Mm. or improving your fps on uh on counter-strike global offensive um things like um, how to set up a windows bootable install disc on off of mac Mm. so it was like and and some of them actually got a decent chunk of uh views like i ended up getting half a mil total channel views off that a couple
1: of those blew up so i'm 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 game with this youtube stuff man i'd love that like a 13 years later or not even because you're just in high school a few years ago but like you know 10 years later you probably like bring back that youtube channel a little bit i wonder if we should will find that. It. yeah i'm not gonna tell you were you what what like talking your way through it or were you just, oh yeah were you one of was, those guys? no no, no, no. Oh, yeah. I, I, had
0: to, I had to explain it i couldn't okay. do the. i was too i would have been too lazy to do the whole graphics things yeah. thing but it's funny my voice was so monotonous but i was like it's like literally reading off a script <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, uh, that's pretty much what my ad read sounded like off the top of the (laughs) show anyway. So, um, Harm, we'll get into the Canucks. Uh, Obviously, no games to talk about over the last uh, 24 hours. They're coming off of that big win against the uh, Colorado Avalanche, obviously. A pretty impressive win against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And, I mean, Vancouver needs some wins. And, uh, I don't know, a game like that might be the sort of thing that does spark you to, you know, put together some dubs here. as You're rolling into a weekend here where you have back-to-backs against the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks. But I want to go back a little bit here because we are... At that quarterway mark of the season, you pull this up, Alex. The quarterway mark of the season. Shout out to my old elementary school. Brought it up yesterday. School I went to, by the way, my elementary school. Quarterway.
0: Oh, I know that. So
1: as we're going here, we got the grades at the quarterway mark that you can see right there on the uh, the old YouTube. A call quarterway school photo of me and my kites, the mural, everything beautiful. Quarterway Cougars. My shout out to my old elementary school there. So. Let's, let's get to it because you just wrote an article. Uh, and by the way, Harm, I think people know you're from The Athletic. I don't know if I have to yeah. mention it every time. But you just put uh, your most recent one up here at The Athletic, grading the Canucks through 20 games. So I'm going to get to some of those grades. And we're going to kind of discuss it. it a little bit. Let's get started with, um, I think, in my eyes, an easy A. This was probably a pretty easy one for you to make a decision on. Elias Patterson uh, coming in with one of your only two A's. Uh, when you were grading the players. And we look at Pedersen's start to the season, 10 goals, 14 assists through 20 games. That's 24 points on the season. The points are great. I think the points are what a lot of people were hoping for. If you go into the season, you look at Pedersen, you're saying, point per game, this would be the season for him to take that step and do that. I got to imagine it's not just about the points per game while you're giving him an A.
0: Of course, it's the way that he's been able to control play so decisively at five on five. He's back to almost controlling games with his um, hockey sense and the way that he reads and anticipates both with and without the pockets actually crazy sometimes to see right from the start of the season, for example, when he picked off in the season opener against Edmonton, just picking off passing lanes and using that to create offense. It's like he's able to bait defenders he can just read and know what's coming next. And that's really driven a strong defensive impact where when you look at his underlying numbers, the Canucks have just pounded opponents um, in terms of possession, quality scoring chances. They've outscored teams 20 to 10 at five on five, which is pretty similar to the level of um, sort of five on five efficiency. We saw when he was directing the lotto line. And we used to talk about that as one of the best first lines in the NHL, and Pedersen's been driving the bus at both ends of the ice. We're seeing him learn the penalty kill, obviously, and he looks like a legit counterattack threat every time. That's the area where if he can improve on his faceoffs, he's got a lot of potential there. I mean, even, even in that game the other night against uh, Colorado, we saw another breakaway chance on the PK. We've seen him and Horvath create a lot uh, off the PK. So we've seen Pedersen take, uh, take another step forward in his two-way game, and we're now at the point where... I think Bruce Boudreaux has kind of recognized, too, that Pedersen's ready to take on the tough matchups and play against the opposition's best lines. We got a taste of it against Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche after the Horvat Miller line kind of struggled in that role against Jack Eichel. Now, I've got the numbers here right now. McKinnon's line had a 5 4 edge in shots. Scoring chances and expected goals were basically dead even 50 50. Pedersen's line was up 1 0 in goals, thanks to um, the setup on uh, Ilya McKayev's goal in the slot. That won the game right there for the Canucks because you look at the Avs with the injuries that they had to Valerie Nuchushkin, Gabriel Landeskog, and then, of course, they've been... They lost key secondary scorers like Burakovsky and Kadri. As a result, right now, the banged-up Avs playing the Canucks were essentially a one-line team. They had McKinnon. They had Rantanen loaded up on the top line. Outside of that, not much up front anyway. And we saw that when the big boys were on the ice, they would try to make a push. But once... Pederson was able to kind of negate that factor and limit the damage and ensure that and and ensure that they didn't um, didn't get absolutely wrecked in that matchup. Then it opened up the rest of the game for them, and we saw them obviously come up with the with the big win. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in that sort of matchup role going up against the opposition's best players because he's wanted that role and responsibility. Yeah, definitely. he wants that. I mean, think about it. You're you're I think right now the best forward on the team. And you're seeing on a night-to-night basis your other teammates get caved in and crushed every time Nathan McKinnon comes to town, or every time a Jack Eichel or or an Austin Matthews or Taysh Thompson rolls by. When you're a best, when you're the best player on the team, like you have that itch to go out and do something for your team, and I think it's great to see that he had a good start in that type of matchup role against Colorado.
1: Yeah, I think I brought it up yesterday on the show. I, if I were to look at that locker room, I don't think there's a player who wants to be in that role and that spotlight more than Pedersen, right? To Absolutely. be that guy who is getting the one-on-one matchups against, you know, the other team's top lines I'd go against the, the Nathan McKinnon, just listen to the, the quotes that Pedersen says when he talks about these situations, when he's asked about it, it's one of my favorite uh, almost kind of back and forth situations that you get being in the media is talking to Pedersen about like challenges, right? Yeah. Cause like this guy just embraces every challenge that he gets. And I know that he feels enough, like confident enough in his own ability to to speak his mind about yes that is what he wants he wants to be that number one guy matching up against those players
0: he wanted that going back to even when travis green was the head coach
1: you're right like this has
0: been like he's craved it for a while that's why i think he really embraced the opportunity to even want to play on the pk in the first place was just like he wants to make an impact in every zone he wants to be the alpha of this team and he's good enough to, to be that
1: Which is funny because, like, I feel I've seen this kind of talked about a little bit, especially with Bo Horvat's future up in the air, where some people like Pedersen wouldn't be ready to be captain. He's still young. He doesn't seem like he's loud enough in the room. I tell you what, the way that he speaks with his actions on the ice, I would, I am in the camp 100% that it would be Pedersen to be the next captain if Bo Horvat's moved. I think. I mean, Luke Shen yeah. is a great option. I mean, there's option, no other great. I don't like,
0: it, I, I've got to say, I don't think there's a there'd be a great option in in general. The way Petterson's leading on the ice this season, I'd say yes. But the one thing I will say is, in previous years, I think there was a sense that the young group had some maturing to do, mm. had um some growing up to do, just like any sort of young players around the league, and I think Petterson was part of that. Um, even talking to um brock besser and and I'm you know spoiler alert, I'm kind of working on a Pedersen piece, but even to hear Brock Besser speak about Pedersen and the step that he's taken a big part of it was being more serious, being more mature, so I'd like to see that sustained for a longer period of time before you kind of tack on extra roles and responsibilities but yeah, I mean he's cer- certainly um trending that way for the long term, and he's just got to keep keep this up keep setting setting those examples because on the ice he has the best habits of players always talk about playing the right way. You want to talk about playing the right way as a forward Patterson's showing that right now, even if you just look outside of his uh, offensive production.
1: Yeah. That's what I completely agree with. I think that's the thing he is. I mean, we see it so much in the NHL, like, you know, think of like Nick Suzuki being given the C and like players in that situation. Like, I feel like, yeah, Suzuki's a a good leader, you know, good Canadian kid comes up through the system and becomes a captain early. That's why I look at Patterson. I was like, I think he's in the same boat of like being the heartbeat of this team when this team's going. So that's that's the way I'm sitting with it anyways. I wanted to ask about your thoughts on Ely Mikheyev on that line too because this is something we've chatted about a little bit in the past where we didn't know early parts of the season if you're getting the most offense out of that trio. And I'm talking about Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and McKayev right now. Mckayev looked like he generated a lot at the start of the season and you know we've we've seen throughout the, the year I think a lot of the stuff that you heard from Toronto of his ability to finish is definitely in question but his ability to create I think that's the thing that don't doesn't get talked about enough because his speed creates so much opportunity for scoring chances and I think defensively that's where Mckayev kind of brings his like carries his weight and more on that line I think that's the interesting part about watching him defend from the winger position It is impressive how much space he can take up with his length and his speed as well. So I think that that's something like I'm trying to think of like a long extended possession that that line has had against them. And it's kind of hard to like it doesn't happen where, you know, I asked a lot of players this last week when we were in the room with them because the Canucks, it felt like when they have a very long possession against them in their own zone, they get scored on every time. And if it's like if the puck's in there for more than 90 seconds, they're going to get scored on. It's just a matter of time those 90-second shifts just aren't happening against the Pedersen-Mikheyev-Kuzmenko line. And like it's not like Kuzmenko's this defensive whiz, but I think that's what maybe we should be looking at Mikheyev is, is. His speed is obviously his biggest strength, but his biggest strength in that trio might also be what he does defensively.
0: Absolutely, and it's especially essential now that we're talking about the Pedersen line potentially playing against... The opposition's um, best players, right? right. I mean, yeah. y- you're talking about tomorrow against uh, Vegas, for example. They're gonna be they're gonna be facing Jack Eichel again. Jack Eichel, one of the hottest players in the NHL, really taking that next step forward as a legit superstar. Pedersen's been great from a two way perspective, but for as well as Andre Kuzmenko has played overall, there are definitely defensive warts in his game, and that's where it helps to have Mikheyev as an extra security blanket, where you then don't have to worry about Ken Kuzmenko sort of survive and and excel in that sort of role as well? Is he ready for it? Because I think that was one of the concerns that Boudreaux had going into the season was, I remember asking Boudreaux and Whistler, will you use that Pedersen line or consider using it more often in a matchup sort of role? And Boudreaux's response wasn't even really about Pedersen at all. It was about, well, will Kuzmenko be ready for that responsibility? And that's where Mikheyev, with his defensive ability, with his speed, how he wins battles, how effective he is on the forecheck the diligence, back checking those are all essential sort of traits. I think I was a little bit worried initially going into the season about would he be able to finish enough chances and would he be a great offensive fit with those guys? But I think he's been better offensively than I expected. Even for example on the second unit power play, which is uh, obviously irrelevant to the club to that trio's 5 and 5 play, but he has been better than expected offensively, and as long as he's not costing you offensively, as long as you're not pulling your hair, hair out and going, oh my God, can you just put the puck in the back of the net? Yeah. <laughs> as long as he's not doing that, I think there's enough defensive value, especially now that they're going to be playing top lines, that he's been a good fit there.
1: So with Kazmenko, you give him an A. Is that from just what your expectations were coming into the season, giving him the A grade? He's the only other guy aside from Pedersen that you gave an A to in this article. Is is that specifically off of the expectations yes. in the preseason? so that's not about yeah. the line that he's on. Well,
0: the way that we kind of approach report cards is and in grades is it's all relative to expectations, right? Where right. I'm I'm not going to, you know, if Sheldon drives his 5 points in 9 games, for example, I'm going to grade that a lot differently than if Elias Peterson had 5 points in 9 games, Very right? Yeah. So with Kuzmenko, I think going into the season in my mind what I thought I thought 40 points. I was like, if he can get to 40 points, that'll be a decent season. If he can push 50, I was like, that'll be awesome. And you look at him right now, and, and he's got eight or nine goals. He's um, he's on a, a 65, 70-point pace. I mean, who knows if that'll last, but he's been excellent so far. And he's not just a passenger on that line. The way that him and Pedersen have chemistry off the rush is something that, that the Canucks don't have anywhere else in their lineup. You look at the other lines, even though even when Bo Horvat and uh, JT Miller played together, or, or the other bottom six lines, they don't create off the rush. Mm. They don't create off the rush the way Kuzmenko and Pedersen do. That's the only line that, when they're on the ice, I'm not expecting them to dump and chase the whole time. And I think it isn't just Pedersen doing that. It's Pedersen's playmaking ability. It's it's uh, Mikheyev's speed. And then it's Kuzmenko's puck-carrying ability. And I think we've seen more confidence from him recently as a playmaker as well with the twists and turns in the offensive zone, the vision that he's um, that he's had in, in setting up some chances. So I've been really impressed with the impact, the impact that he's been able to make in the offensive zone. Obviously, in terms of his goal production, he's been a tap-in god. Oh, yeah. He's um, done a really good job of being able to understand when defenders are too focused on the other line mates and and understand how to make himself open in those dangerous pockets of space, make sure that he has, that he has a stick on his ice and that he's not going to miss any any of those great A chances, which you can't do when you're on a line with a guy like Pedersen. So that's why I've given him an A. Is he's just been so effective and so dynamic offensively.
1: Yeah, I think what it does is it creates... If you look at just the other lines, I think it creates that Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev lives. so many options to enter a zone, whether it be Mikheyev's speed or the passing with Pedersen and Kuzmenko or even Kuzmenko on his own. Like He's pretty good at carrying the puck yeah. past the blue line, gaining entry on his own, and then looking for the pass. The other thing with Kuzmenko is you give him an A right now, and the best part of his game that I saw in the KHL was playmaking from behind the net. And yeah. it's like that part hasn't even really been unlocked yet because I think yeah. a lot of the power play stuff that's working for them is those tap that you talked about. We'll be interested to see if that adds another facet to what this power play can do when you start to see what, like, I don't know, maybe it takes a little confidence, right, from Kazmenko to to understand that he can bring that also to the NHL level. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's lacking confidence because I think he's probably getting a lot of confidence from what he's doing on the power play right now. I just wonder if there's a point where something clicks where it's like, hey, that's another part that we can unlock on the power play of him being a playmaker. Because that's what I really liked about from the KHL was like his ability to kind of shift from behind the net, from side to side, and open up new passing lanes. And I'm curious if that starts happening. This guy might start to, you know, not only be a power play tap in God, but could be a guy who really can start to put up some assists on the power play as well. Because that part was the most impressive thing from his tape in the KHL last season, I thought, with Kizmenko.
0: Definitely. And even at 5-on-5, for example, we haven't seen yet. Like in training camp, it blew me away sometimes how he'd pick up a puck in the corner and explosively spin off a check and immediately drive the net. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet, I and obviously hasn't really needed it, it. needed it to this point, but once he continues to pick up confidence, once he gets better at protecting the puck in the offensive zone, once he understands how defenders read him, the options that are available to him, and once he knows what he can and can't do, I think that's an element where he can be even more assertive and more aggressive, spinning out of the out of the corner and kind of doing the Connor Garland thing. Where or the Niels Hoaglander thing, where I mean, we haven't seen that from Hoaglander a lot recently, unfortunately. Right. But that, uh, that edge work, those spins, those turns, that, uh, that explosiveness, because Kuzmenko isn't the fast, like, he's not Ilya Mikheyev in a straight line. But the way that he's able to turn in tight spaces, he can create separation in, um, in situations where, where a defender thinks that he has Kuzmenko contained. And that, I think, is a dangerous element that we're that I'm interested to see if he can evolve and add to his uh, arsenal on a more consistent basis over the
1: balance of the season. Let's get to quickly, we'll hit these pair of uh, duos that I wanted to bring up. The first duo, uh, Neil Zaman and Dakota Joshua both received Bs. I am pretty pretty content with the B there. Almost would have leaned towards B+, plus as well. Like, I've really liked um, the fact that Neil Zaman has played 20 games. If we talk about expectations, I've, yeah, I've that's said it true. before. He's blown away the expectations if you talk about... Maybe what your expectations were in the summer or in training camp even, right? The fact that this guy's won this job, uh, I think it's been impressive for him. And Dakota Joshua, I think just his ability to create offense in a fourth-line role is at a very high level. And I know that the analytics community loved him before he came here. I have to assume that they like him even more now that you're kind of seeing what he's looking like when he's playing on this line. The guy's creating offense. He moves the puck into the crease all the time. Anytime he has the puck... In the offensive zone, it feels like he's funneling it towards the crease, and when you have a fourth line that just likes to bang away at the puck, that's gonna set itself up pretty nice. But it's not just that, because I found his last assist in the in the last home game that we saw them play, and like he made a great behind like backwards pass from from the backhand pass as he's going around the net, but it's tape to tape and he sets up a goal. Yeah. Like he, I don't know, I've been really impressed with his playmaking. Yeah, that's
0: the other thing is he only has one assist, but it feels like he's had these flashes of brilliance with um where he just surprises you with mm-hmm. say a neutral zone pass neutral zone pass something creative where it's just like oh where did that come from yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: but on top of that i mean like you mentioned download the ability to create offense he's just been a bulldozer mm-hmm. <laughs> that like that's straight up what it is is he's <laughs> able to um effectively win pucks back win his battles even on for example in one of the recent games i can't remember um, which game was it where he won like two or three battles in a row and then they scored and then Lazar's goal was taken back?
1: Um uh, was that just against Vegas?
0: I, I was wondering. I I I can't quite remember. It was recent. Anyway, yeah. like that 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 was another great example of how this guy just wins battles and obviously he's second on the team in hits as well, so he's definitely made an impact, and that's been essential because I think when that signing happened, a lot of people just kind of looked at it as, oh, that's another contract below a million. Like, No big deal. That's not a significant investment. But from the Connexus perspective, they gave multiple years at a one-way ticket. Mm-hmm. That's a key part where when you sign a guy to a one-way contract like that, where he's going to make the same amount of money in the AHL as, as he is in the NHL. Sure, that doesn't matter from a cap perspective. But that really matters from an ownership perspective where they're going to be paying that cash regardless, especially in a multi-year commitment for a guy who hadn't established himself as a full-time NHL player yet. Right away, that told me they must really see something special in him because you usually don't see guys like that getting that kind of commitment. And from an ownership perspective, from a management perspective, there's only so many fringe guys that you're going to be able to sell your owner on in terms of, hey, this guy hasn't established himself yet, but we want to sign him to a multi-year one-way ticket. Are you okay with that? So he's been able to deliver on that, and that's been really important considering the bet that management made on it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
1: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST. Let's dive into, you know what? I was going to do OEL and Tyler Myers. Let's skip it. I think we know why they've gotten a D on your rating uh, in their grading. I mean, they, yeah, they've not been great and they've been split up as a pair that was Last year, I think I remember seeing you guys' grades, and they was pretty high on those two from yeah. the expectations you had. But they just—they've not been playing together, and they've not been really great in their roles. It feels like their partner is always the better defenseman on a night, and that's unfortunate for two guys that are making over thirteen million dollars when you combine their salary. So um, another guy that hasn't lived up uh, to a ton of the expectations that a lot of people had for him, specifically what he's doing at five one five. Connor Garland, you guys gave him a C plus uh, over at the Athletic on your article. So we finished last season. Connor Garland did 47 points at 5-on-5, five five, which was tied with JT Miller for the team lead. Put up a ton of points at 5-on-5. Five five. This guy was effective at creating. He was also the leader on the team in primary points at 5-on-5 five five with 37. So 17 goals and 20 primary assists last season. This year, Connor Garland has one goal and five assists at 5-on-5. Five five. He was healthy scratch for one game this year, 19 games in. He just he can't seem to find a great fit on a five on five line right now. What are you seeing? What brought you to, to giving him a C plus is we got the, uh, the isolated impact as well at offense at five on five here from Garland. It's very different uh, this season than it was last season with the expected goals for.
0: For sure. I think right off the bat is kind of what you mentioned, right? Garland is a player makes 5 billion. He doesn't really contribute on either special teams, right? He plays a power play, but I think he had three or four points on the man advantage Mm -hmm. last season. He isn't someone that you rely on to contribute, really in any significant capacity on special teams. So you need him to be a workhorse an absolute five on five monster. And that's what he was last season, right? We're talking about uh, talking about a player who was top 30 among all NHL players or all NHL forwards. I, I should say in terms of his five and five point production this year, one goal. And, and, and uh, I think three total primary points at five on five after being, the club's most um, dynamic point producer at evens, that's a, a significant step back. And it's kind of like what you mentioned, right? Is what I'm seeing is he hasn't found chemistry. He hasn't, we know he has an abstract playing style with, um, I think this connects him as a lot of guys that like playing North South in terms of just trying to force turnovers, create havoc Garland's, a different attacker. I think as, as we all know, the way he creates offense below the goal line, and it just hasn't really fit with anybody on this Canucks roster where, I mean, I mentioned this when I did a hit with you, did with you guys hit, did a hit with you guys recently was he wasn't really fitting well with Horvat and Miller, despite the fact that Horvat and Miller seem to have, have chemistry. And despite the fact that they seem to generate a decent amount of zone time, we saw in the more recent games, He almost disappears from that duo, right? Yeah, it, it
1: doesn't. It's strange to think that even Huglander feels like he's more visible with that par- with that pairing, which is very strange because is a guy who produced last season, definitely.
0: And we saw Boudreau then sort of shift him down the lineup, and even from there, I'm, I just, I don't know who he fits well with. I don't mm-hmm. know who he has who he has chemistry with. I don't know how to put him in a position to succeed we definitely haven't seen him look as dynamic, right? Like we talk about the spins and turns, like how many times have you gone, wow, at a spin or some, some type of edge work with Garland. He used to be a master at creating sort of playmaking chances below the goal line where he'd draw defenders and he'd draw attention with his puck carrying ability off the cycling in the offensive zone. And then once he'd get behind the defenders with the, the defenders would kind of have to turn their back and, and, defend Garland that way. And then it would leave the slot sort of unguarded and and there would be passing lanes. And and that's how Garland created so much of his offense. That's what's been missing. I don't know what exactly the solution is to getting that back on track, but we just haven't seen enough of it to this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, like that's what I, I, what you just said there, like his movement and unpredictability was what created these passing lanes that opened up things in the slot. Like that was so impressive is that yes, the way that he moved with the puck if you're just thinking of like passing lanes opening or how the passes are looking like it was interesting to watch how often he was able to whether it be a pass to the slot or cross ice like it opened up such quality scoring chances that I don't really know what's not working this year I I agree with you that like we haven't seen as much of that movement that aggressiveness that maybe even confidence in his own game to, to kind of play that way I feel like you see it in little spurts here and there like you do see it like oh that's a you know that's the Connor Garland that I know who make the, like makes a move like that. But yeah, it's like it, it's. I wonder about like you know being healthy, scratch, being moved up and down the lineup. But at the same time, I don't remember like him being an absolute lock with another player last year when he was in the lineup either. Yeah. Like it wasn't like he had to play with Pedersen or had to be with Miller. It felt like he was just kind of a guy that got slotted into the lineup and could bring something to a five on five line. Definitely, the other
0: two other things that are interesting. Number one, I wonder how he feels about his own game right now because I remember talking to him at the end of last season and to my surprise, he was really pissed off at his own performance. And he essentially told me in, in the interview at the end of the season that he didn't feel like himself at all that year. Yeah, He just sort of felt that there was something off, that he's a, he's a sort of guy that doesn't like a lot of change. He likes the same routine, doing the same things every single day. He's a creature of habit and obviously moving from Arizona to Vancouver was a huge transition new country new team ma- new teammates so we've seen compared to last season that he's taken and i actually disagreed i actually thought he played pretty well last season but to see him sort of take a step back now including the sort of healthy scratch, which i'm sure he was inside pissed off about yeah i wonder how like we've seen how healthy he feels scratches mentally. help i don't know if that Helped no, right? I don't think so So I wonder where he's at in terms of his own game. The other part I will say is and this has kind of been the saving grace with him. It's it's kind of It's obviously not a huge bar to clear but it matters is the fact that he hasn't been a defensive liability like we're saying all these things about how He hasn't been able to create as much offense and nobody's gonna mistake him for a defensive dynamo but at the same time The Canucks have still generally won their 5-5 and matchups when he's been on the ice. Like his goal differential, I think, is they've scored eight goals and allowed six when he's been on the ice at 5-5. and Like the Canucks just don't get scored on when Connor Carlin's on the ice for whatever reason, which matters because this team can't keep the puck out of the back of the net, especially when you look at all the other top forwards that have had defensive issues this season like we talk about a JT Miller we talk about um, Brock Besser we talk about Nils Hoglander, um Vasily Podkolzin even has had a couple moments where he's maybe turned a puck over here or there that's been costly even Bo Horvat the reason we didn't give him an A in the report cards was because you looked at the underlying numbers he'd been on the ice for the most shots and high danger chances against of any Canucks forward so even even Horvat there, Kuzmenko has had his defensive uh, moments of defensive concern. We haven't seen those mistakes from Garland. He's at least been pretty clean, and you haven't had to worry about him defensively. So that's at least one thing that um, I mean it's a silver lining. But you need a lot more out
1: of him, considering how much he makes. I want to get to? We'll wrap up the grades there at that point. I want to get to this. I don't know if we've we've worked this segment in yet. I know it's on the ticker yet, but I like to do this. What do you do with quads like this one uh, last week when we ran it through? And it's weird. that I think this was the first name that we brought up last week when we did this, but I still think there is another question about this player because we haven't seen him get into the lineup since we did the last time and chatted about this. So, what do you do with Jack Rathbone right now? Um, with Travis Dermott, I think the return's coming soon for Dermott. Like he's been skating in a non like non uh, what am I saying non contact jersey for a little bit here. He's been on the ice. He's skating. Like I've also noticed that he's been a lot more involved in drills of late. Like, it's not like it was when he first took to the ice and was just kind of there and on the ice. Like, now he's doing drills, he's moving around. Do you move Jack Rathbone to the AHL before the dermot return even? Like, is there another option you can do here just to get this guy into some, some game action? I know you guys didn't give him a good grade because it looks... Does it look like Jack Rathbone has taken a step back from what we even saw last season in the NHL? Maybe, right? Like, I don't think he has. I think he has. I don't think he's taken a step forward for sure. And yeah, you're right. Like, that's what you expect at this age. So what needs to happen with him moving forward? What do you do with Jack Rathbone right now?
0: Well, you can't afford to have him straight up in the NHL lineup, which is unfortunate just based off his form. Anytime he's drawn in, you look at his number one asset for him to make a tangible NHL impact. It has to be his skating and how he moves the puck. He has to be efficient with retrievals and helping the team exit out of its own end. Despite the physical tools, he's been awful at it. Mm. He's been turning pucks over. He's even trying to make outlet passes. I've been surprised at how many of them have been off the mark, how many icings he's created. And that's why he's been hemmed in his own end. So often on top of that, you have the moments where against Montreal, for example, Bobbles the puck at the offensive
1: blue line, odd man rush. Like you just, you can't trust him defensively. And you know what? That play like wasn't like the puck bounced over his stick. I remember like it was, yeah. it just rolled on the ice right. and he yeah. just missed it. It wasn't like that's on him at that point. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: So you can't trust him defensively. Even the area that you expect to be a strength of his game is a weakness right now. He's just every time he draws into the lineup now, which is unfortunate because I, I, he definitely did deserve an opportunity. You just can't. You're worried. You're worried. And as a result, I think the only option to get him games is to send him down to the American League.
1: Yeah. I think that's what he needs right now. And I think talking about him last year, there was a point where I thought that he didn't need that anymore. Yeah. And that was exciting, I think, when talking about Rathbone, because it was like, hey, it doesn't look like he's learning or or developing even anymore in the AHL. It looks like he's graduated, right? Like that's what it felt like. You know, it feels like he might have to go back. Like I, I, I do think that's what it's going to take right now. And and the player, the player just needs to play some games, man. I, I'm I think he needs to go back to the HL too. And I, I don't think it needs to wait for the Dermot return to happen. Like get Breezeau up here, put him in there as your eighth defenseman because he's not Rathman isn't doing anything as the eighth defenseman. that's making him better in the long run.
0: Even if you're going to sort of, even if you don't think he has a future with your team if you've decided at this point that he's just not a long-term fit, you can't just let him rot in the press box and have his value depreciate to zero. Yeah. Because it's it's going to get to that point, right? Like, if I'm Jack Rathbone's agent, I'm going, especially because Rathbone at this point, he makes one-way money. So if you send him down to the American League, it's not like he's going to be making a bunch less cash and he's pissed off. But if I'm his agent, I'm thinking, like, he's just got to play somewhere. Otherwise, like my guy needs an opportunity somewhere else. Like if I'm his, his agent, I, I'm kind of going at this point. It's just not working out. He's got to get an opportunity somewhere. Like yeah. whether it's the American like a Ryan league. Reeves
1: situation, almost the agent's gonna yeah. force a trade here. Yeah. So that's something that's something that the Canucks have to, I think, be a little bit proactive about. And and with Dermot, like we said, potentially returning here soon. I don't that's know. The one thing guy. I will say
0: about Dermot is, look, hopefully things continue and progress the right way. But it's a concussion. Yeah. So you
1: and there's some tests that Boudreaux kind of tests. talking about that aren't going well.
0: And even if we go back to, I mean, we've seen this a lot. Unfortunately, with a lot of Canucks in the past, whether it be with Pullman, whether it be with Furlan back in the day, there are a lot of setbacks that can sometimes, right. like, it's not always a linear path to recovery. And Dermot is practicing, but he's not. He's still non-contact. So I I don't know if he's close yet. We'll see. I mean, I think obviously, you hope. The bro. amount
1: that we see him around the rink and on the ice, like, I mean, I, I, it's a very different situation, obviously, than Tucker Pullman. But I think that, like, the fact that he's there every day, that Dermot's there every day, I, I feel like, yeah, like, you're right. Cause you're hopeful, but there's always the possibility of setback, is yep. just the point that I was trying to you're make. You're right. And I think that's what Boudreaux's kind of said as well, is the fact that, like, you know, he, I bet that it's, fr- like, I think when he talked about it, it was very frustrating, is the word that Boudreaux used, not only from his perspective, but. From Dermott's perspective as well, because yeah, I don't know what tests is holding what tests are holding him back right now from from playing, but I think that he probably thinks that he wants to return to play. I just yeah, it is. You're right. It isn't like a linear return right now for the timeline. Uh, let's get to Spencer Martin and how many starts we'll see from him in December. Uh, Alex, can you pull this one up here the the schedule here for December because there's only one set of back to backs uh, in December. You got that against Seattle and then off to. Uh, Edmonton on the 22nd and 23rd of December. No other back-to-backs, but what we're looking at right now is 13 games in 31 days. How many starts do you think you'll see Spencer Martin get this month? Somewhere between five to seven. I think it's for me,
0: I think the Canucks should still approach it in terms of a relatively even split just because yeah, you can ride Martin as a hot hand, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, Demko is still your long-term future number one, and it's really important to get him back on track for the long-term health, health of his franchise. It's not like Spencer Martin is all of a sudden, he's your number one guy, and you're going to build this, fra- this franchise around Martin. Demko is one of the core, sort of, I guess, three that we now talk about in terms of Pedersen, Hughes, and, of course, Demko. The other interesting thing is, I had this conversation when I, when I wrote about Demko's struggles recently with Kevin Woodley. I was kind of asking him, do you think it might be beneficial for the coaching staff to kind of look at uh, the goalie split and maybe give give Demko even more nights off, just to allow him to kind of rebuild his game potentially with Ian Clark? But what's interesting is, Woodley pointed out, and we sort of analyzed this when looking at some of the specific goals against, was it's not like there are a bunch of mistakes in his technical execution Mm. right now. It's more sometimes... The game speed sort of reads where whether it's, it, it, whether it's sort of deciding how aggressively to co- sort of come out against uh, a shooter, how quickly to kind of, um, seal in his post. I, I don't have all the fancy terminology that uh, quads. Don't try, and, even though everyone <laughs> is in the do. chat right now saying they're all excited for this goalie talk. Since the quads in here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing my best quads impression now. But anyway, the point is, it's more about his reads and anticipation, just sort of making the wrong decisions and tracking. Mm. Right now, that seems to be an issue more than, wow, look at, look at the, the technique of his glove hand, and he keeps getting exposed there. So with Markstrom, for example, there would be points where when he would struggle from time to time, you could look at he's playing a lot and there's a bit of fatigue in his movement patterns. That, And so you'd look at that and say, give him some time with Ian Clark, rebuild, and, and sort of really sharpen that aspect. I don't think that that's the issue with Demko. And what Woodley was kind of saying was, with these sort of like reads and anticipation, you're only going to find that groove with game rhythm so you don't want to you don't want to have a situation where you're just riding martin and demko's on the bench and you're perhaps compounding the issue and making it even worse where he feels even more cold and rusty so i'd look at a relatively even split if uh if i was in uh, clark and in boudreaux's shoes
1: it's interesting a lot of two days off between games this month it'll be interesting to see what kind of run you want to get on with demko and if he plays well if he's playing a lot of games i know we've seen in the chat here uh, Matt says all of them, give them all of them. Uh, so let's, let's wrap up with this before we get to the Betway Wrap up um, quick little one here is we only got a couple minutes. We did this earlier in the week and I just wanted to kind of get another perspective on it. Will this prospect play 10 plus NHL games with the Vancouver Canucks? So I've okay. got a list. I'm going to kind of all run right. through it. I, I won't give my reaction. People can go back and listen. All we right. also have it on the other YouTube channel uh, of quads and, and my own thoughts about which player will play 10 plus games in the NHL. With the Vancouver Canucks. This is the key part. Uh, so I'm going to run through a name. I'll let you know. You say yes sure, or no, yeah. and maybe give me an answer. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Maki
0: Yes. I like, I, th- I think it's funny because considering where he was drafted, I think he's a more of a boomer bust potential mm. pick for sure compared to, say, a Liam Ugren, who I know the Canucks were also sort of considering in that slot. But I think there's enough offensive talent and and raw scoring upside that he'll he'll get a shot and at least um at least
1: get some games yeah it feels like the lock of this group i think to play 10 plus games though we'll see what happens what his career actually looks like Elias peterson dpd 10 plus games for the canucks yeah i think so i I really like
0: how practical his skill set is it seems like the sort of sort of game that's going to translate really well to an nhl environment in terms of how sound he is defensively, mm. how physical he is, the, the nastiness and meanness that he sort of has in his game as well, which is an element and an and ingredient that the Canucks don't have enough of on the back end. The way he, the way he defends a rush, there's nothing flashy about his game. And I think that's going to be an element where he's going to need to show that he can make, you know, more consistent plays with the puck. But I think we have started to see some progress with that this season. So I think, I think he's, um,
1: I think he's a strong bet to at least play some games. Yeah, a lot of people in the chat agreeing with you. They're saying steal of the draft, uh, Elias Petterson was. Also saying, another good uh, message here into the chat, Sight says, Confidence is the issue for so many players on this team. Overall, a team culture problem. You could definitely look at it that way with confidence being a warrior for a lot. This is where it gets interesting. I felt really good about Luke Mackie and Patterson as well. Let's see how many yeses we got All on the right, rest here. right, let's uh, do it. Jet Wu, 10 no. plus games with Vancouver. No, I,
0: it's it's... I just haven't seen enough in terms of his um, his foot speed. I haven't seen enough in terms of his two way intelligence to think that he can make an impact. He uh, he's obviously I I love his physicality, but even when I've watched him in training camp, I've never thought really thought to myself, "Oh, this this looks like a guy that's going to factor." And I mean, last season he was playing some games at forward.
1: Yeah, not great. Uh, let's get to our next one. You talk about two way intelligence. This might be the thing that keeps this guy out. Danila Klimovich, ten plus NHL games with the Canucks. No. I, I Look, there's absolutely a possibility
0: that he could play. I think he's got the potential. I was really impressed with him at uh, the Young Stars Tournament. Yeah, very true. But, again, we're just sort of making a prediction. And I, I just look at his defensive habits, his two-way play, and it's just not even close to being NHL-level quality you know, right now, and obviously he's got a lot of time, but we, we just haven't even seen the progression, right? I think that's what mm. we wanted to see in his sophomore HL campaign was, okay, he's a young guy, at least show that you're an indispensable middle six piece, right? I'm not asking you to go out and score a point a game in the American League, but just show that you're making progress. Yeah, like, like, sh- like, be a player that the coaching staff can't look at and say he's got to come out of the lineup because we can't trust him at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you look at what, Klimovich has and this is why it's so frustrating right because he has the NHL caliber puck skills right it's it's legitimately impressive he can be a wizard with some of the plays that he can make he's got the size he's got the raw athleticism there are so many qualities you look at him and go he should be an impact NHL or in a middle six role one day but there are just so many like I just look at (laughs) the, the bar I always have is like, I'm just imagining how would, for example, Boudreaux or Travis Green, like, look at Boudreaux. Boudreaux already clearly hates Nils Hoaglander and his defensive habits. Yeah. How, how would he look at Daniela Klimovic? Like, how would Klimovic get to the point where he earns such sort a of trust? Again, I don't think it's a slam dunk no, but if I had to make a guess
1: right now, I would say no. Yep. I said no earlier in the week as well. And I think that surprised a lot of people, but I. Said no. I don't I don't think he's going I think there's too many bad habits, and I don't think I've seen a change in those bad habits. We're not writing him off, but no, it's just sure. probability. He's a teenager in the HL. It's hard to write him off, but if I I said I something's gonna need to change my mind to say yes. Yeah. And that hasn't happened. Okay. We got like two minutes here left. Okay. So I'm just gonna get yes or no answers just so yeah, we have sure, you on yeah. record saying yes or no Jeez. here. Uh Jacob Truscott. I'll say yes. Yeah, I think I think so too. Aiden McDonough? No. Nope. Linus Carlson. Yes. Lucas Forsell, no. Philip Johansson. I got to be honest, I'm fifty fifty on that. Mm. I, I mean, that's what the guy that Alvin name checked about coming over here next. I'll
0: say week. yes, just because he's he's played well in the S-
1: SHL this season, and just because they're so desperate. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought too. Desperate was the answer. <laughs> well. um, Yanni Irmo, no. Uh, Archer Seelovs, yes. Aku Koskenvo, no. Disagree with you on the last one. Kenvo's a goalie of the future. All right. Prospects report. Really Ford. nuts, Sealovs? Wow. Koskenvo's you're, my guy. Wow. I can't believe you do Hey, when you're like that. When you sit beside Kevin Woodley and you watch a goalie move and you see Kevin Woodley start to drool, you know this goalie's probably onto something. I at, at development camp, the guy, look, he moves very well. I but don't know my goalies, so I, I just like Sealovs a lot. So. I tell you, I could... When you uh, you could see in Clark's smile, listen, he smiles when he sees sea and he works with them. The smile that he had when he was working with Koskinenvo, like this six foot five lanky Finnish player with his arms hanging down to his knees, <laughs> smile per sixty off the charts. Oh yeah, that was the highest smile per sixty I've seen from Ian Clark. Uh quick prospects report: Jonathan Lukaramaki. I, I filled it out here as uh, Jonathan Lukaramaki game, and then I left some space for me to talk about it. I didn't have to fill it out because nothing happened again for (laughs) Jonathan LeCaramaki, unfortunately. Uh, And Daniil Klumich, we talked about him earlier. Uh, Today he was healthy scratched against uh, Calgary's AHL team, the Wranglers. Uh, So this is the fourth time he's had a healthy scratch this year. Only a healthy scratch three times last season. Uh, Let's get to the Betway bet and get out of here. We're already late. Uh, Harm, you you did a good job filling up time on the Friday here. We might have to make your show an hour on Friday. Um, So let's get to the Betway bet here. Um, We got Seattle. And the over uh, at plus 400. So I'm picking the Kraken to win, but also outright. So no overtime, no shootout. I got them winning in regulation and also hitting the over of 5.5 total goals at plus 400. I'm feeling good about the Kraken tonight. Uh, And then our second bet is a bigger one with the Kraken to win over 6.5 total goals. And you mentioned him earlier. He's been hot lately. Jack Eichel uh, of Vegas to score a goal in this game. I'm excited for this game because it's, to me, like I like the Kraken of, listen, they're second in the Pacific. Vegas is number one. You got the two expansion teams. I feel like the Kraken are getting up for tonight's game. So that's why I'm, I'm leaning heavy onto the Kraken win today. I'm, I'm excited to actually watch this one. I don't, like, I with as much Canucks prospects and Canucks games that I have to watch, it's not like I have a ton of time to watch other hockey around the league, like, with, you know, whether or not it be highlights or just shift-by-shift shift sometimes. But this is one I want to watch. I want to watch what Seattle does. I think they're going to get up for tonight's game against Vegas.
0: Yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch the Kraken's uh, sort of rise, isn't it? Right. Because... The goaltending was awful, and it's still, I mean, with uh, with Grubauer out, they've been leaning on Martin Martin Jones, who's been, um, I mean, he's actually been decent this season, but his track record previously after, after a few years of success in, in San Jose was really, really bad. Mm. So you looked at the goaltending situation there. You looked at the fact that they don't have any stars on the back end or up front offensively, and he sort of looked at them and went, especially after the way they played last season like nobody we, we didn't even talk about them as a legit playoff possibility but they've got the deepest forward group in the NHL right like they don't have the high end offensive weapons but lines one to four could all produce I mean there was one point earlier in the month where I was looking at um their um, um, their production level and it was like 11 forwards were producing at a half a point uh, a half a point per game clip or better it was pretty nuts. So they've got depth. All four lines can score. It's going to be an interesting game.
1: Should be a fun one tonight. By the way, I, I'm glad we didn't do a poll question because Alex would have definitely been angry. I forgot to mention our technical producer, Alex Allard, off the top of the show. Alex, are you, are you okay over there? No, did I make sorry. you mad, Alex? Yeah, he's mad.
0: Can't hear him. Giving On, silence can't and, hear, and, oh. Brady Kachuk just beat up Strom for a bad hit, so... You know, Captain Brady doing Captain... Oh, you guys wouldn't really know. Oh, okay,
1: that's it. Cut him off. All right. Okay, Mr. Fellow Basement Dweller. He's watching the (laughs) the, uh, the Sens game over there. So uh, it's good. At least Alex is watching hockey instead of playing Pokemon over there today. So... Uh, Alex, appreciate your efforts all this week. It's been another good week uh, here at the Connect Conversation. I appreciate everyone on the YouTube Live as well uh, and our first show with you, Harm, here on Fridays. And we're going to do this every Friday unless you're uh, – which I'm surprised. You're a big Vegas guy. You're not in Vegas this weekend. I know, but look, it's – Vegas uh, Harm. It got to the point where I was like – I can't do
0: th- do it three times in a year. <laughs> I get sick of it. So Fair I was
1: enough. like, yeah, I'll, uh, I shall pass. All right, so we'll wrap it up for my co-host, Harmon Dial, our technical producer, Alex Allard. My name's Chris Faber. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Next week. Thanks for listening to
0: Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. <laughs> Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.
1: How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?